chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2. Um, if you don't have a Bible, there should be a black hardbound one somewhere around you. And I didn't check the page number, but it's either going to be page 2 or page 3. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 2. Um, it is so good to see you. Um, it's always a privilege to be able to open up God's Word. But I'm really excited about this topic this morning because I think it's something that we don't understand very well. Uh, we're going to be addressing the topic of rest and so feel free to nap out during this sermon, so you can go ahead and do that. Um, but I think the potential for us is uh, massive. We live in a culture where rest is almost foreign, at least as biblically described. And so I think there's a real opportunity for us um, to learn something real and deep and intimate about who God is and how he's designed the world to work. I, and I just had this thought as, as we were singing in worship, and and I hope that this is your conviction. We're not always aware of our convictions, what drive us, but we have this infinite God who created and spoke everything into being. He's transcendent. That means he's separate and he's other, but he's also personal and he's near and he's close to us. And so, um, the God that created you and designed you has brought you into this place to receive ministry from him today, right? That's true for every person in the room. This isn't just some exercise in religious formality. This is an encounter with the living God that created you and loves you. And so that's the God that invites us into rest. Now, near the end of February, I took a trip to Nepal and Um, I knew that this trip would challenge me in a lot of ways. I've not been in a third world context before. Um, But the way that it challenged me was not the way that I anticipated being challenged. Life in Nepal is, if I say it in a word, slow. Right? Very little technology functions well in Nepal. And so it's interesting to see this team of American pastors armed with their Apple laptop computers and iPhones and seeing those things rendered absolutely useless in the nation of Nepal, right? Because we're going to get some work done while we're there, right? So I remember having this thought. It took about 40 hours before I actually got to where I was going. Um, I was I was riding with my translator and uh, driver who also, I think, could very easily be a NASCAR driver on the side. I'm not sure. But we were making our way down like the only road that goes from this town to this town, towns that I can't pronounce. Um, And you can only go about, I would guess at the most, 25 miles per hour. I mean, everyone shares this road. Cattle, school children, like it, it doesn't matter. Everybody's on this road and he's just, you know, Going 25 miles an hour consistently, he's weaving in and out. I mean, there's times where I sat in the front seat and I covered my eyes because there's toddlers like on the side of the road and he just politely honks and they move out of the way. And, and all of this, besides just fearing for their lives, like there's this internal reaction that's going on inside of me. Like, we're not getting anything done, right? We're never going to get there. And so, there's this drivenness that exists in my heart. And so fast forward a couple of days, like we're with the group of pastors and they're wanting to learn some of the most important truths of the Christian faith. And we're sitting down around a table and, and most of these guys, I mean, um, they are 
they far surpass uh, me in godliness or anything. And, but they, I mean, they're just simple folks. I mean, most of them, they farm for a living. They don't sit in a classroom setting very often. So you could tell they were tired. And so we're just having these conversations. And I realized that, hey, we're going to have to take a break here. And so um, they love what they call Nepali chai, and so they called in for some tea. So we, we probably, it probably took about 30 minutes for the tea to actually get to us. And that whole time, like, we're interacting, we're having conversations, and it's like, okay, the tea's here, we're going to continue this conversation, and we're going to get back down to work. No way. <laughs> like, the tea was like the, the highlight of the day for them, and so 30 minutes turned into an hour, and I could just feel in my heart, like, are we ever going to accomplish anything? And what God showed me in, in that moment, because when you go to a different culture, like you are able to see your own culture a little bit more accurately, is the drivenness that really exists in my heart and I assume that exists in all of our hearts. It's a cultural value to always be doing something or producing something. And in that same time, God's also reminding me in this context where there's not a lot of technology and relationships matter and we're sharing meals around a table, the importance of rest, the importance of trusting God to do things that only he can do, right? In a context like this, um, it's very tempting to think, man, a, a service like this, and you know, we're going to do an hour and a half, we're going to get people in, we're going to get them out, and we hopefully... In that time, they're going to have something lasting and eternal. So when I'm in Nepal, I'm, I'm trusting God that he can break through all of these barriers, that he can do what only he can do, that God's actually going to minister to people and produce something lasting. But here, we, we trust a little bit more in our performance. We trust a little bit more in our, our own ability to make things happen. But God, in his mercy, I think, is addressing this reality of Rest. When we fail to rest, it makes us less human, right? We're made in the image of God. We're made to image Him. And we rest because God rests. Our default position as Western people is to think that we're self sufficient, that we can do it all, that we can accomplish it all, that we can work as much as we want, we can pursue as many activities as we want with no consequences. And it's simply not true. Listen to this quote from John Mark Comer. He says this, The Creator God is inviting us to join Him in this rhythm. It's the rhythm of creation. This interplay of work and rest. And when we don't accept His invitation, we reap the consequences. Fatigue. Burnout. Anxiety. Depression, busyness, starved relationships, worn down immune systems, low energy levels, anger, tension, confusion, emptiness. These are signs of a life without rest. So this morning we are going to look at God's design and his intention for rest. Rest is a gift from God, and it is a necessity for us as created beings. And we're going to look at that truth from Genesis chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 1 through 4. So if you have your Bibles open, would you stand with me, if you're able, as we look at the first four verses of Genesis chapter 2 and the important topic of rest. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. 
Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested. On the seventh day, from all his work that he had done, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father, I pray that somehow through the busyness, through the distractedness, through the brokenness that exists in our hearts, that you would bring rest. That you would allow us to hear your voice saying, it is finished for us. I pray that you help us to come into what it means to be a a creature that's created in your image, made in the image of a God who rests. I pray that that would make a difference, not only for us, but for the people that we encounter that are burned out on the wheels of living and burned out on really the religious activity that drives so much of what we do. I pray that you would bring us true Sabbath rest because of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So here's a little roadmap of what we're going to try to accomplish here this morning. We're going to look at three reasons that God designed us to rest. And then we're going to look at some practical ways that God wants us to apply the doctrine of rest. So, I don't know how much you actually think about the idea that you are designed to rest. That you are made in the image of God. That he created you to rest. There are certain gifts that God gives us that can only be experienced When we rest. Now, what I'm going to tell you this morning is rest is different than ceasing from activity, right? Rest is different from distracting yourself um, with recreation. Rest comes when we receive the gifts that God's given us under His gaze, purposefully encountering Him and encountering the world that He's given to us as a gift. God invites us into His Rest. So, why did God rest after six days of creating the earth? Why did He design us to rest? And it's important for us to understand that rest is part of being made in the image of God. This is before the fall, right? This is before, like, hey, you're going to have to work hard because sin has entered into the world. God designed you from the beginning to rest. And he's saying something very important to every person in this room. He designed you to rest because he cares about you. You are not just a productivity machine. You are not just a cog in a wheel that keeps God's machine going. He actually cares about you so much so that he's designed you to rest so that you would connect with him. That's the reason primarily that God has designed rest so that we would encounter him. So rest is an essential part of being human and made in the image of God. Work and rest are deeply connected. You cannot work well if you do not rest well, right? 
We are made to find our rest in who God is and what he has done for us. And I believe this with all my heart. There's nothing that can change this city more deeply and in a more lasting way than if we as a church learn to rest well. Right? This culture is burned out on the wheels of living. This culture is experiencing the emptiness of activity without intimacy with God, right? And so if we learn to draw near to the Savior, and if we learn to sit at His feet, and if we learn to enjoy all the gifts of creation, it makes a profound statement about the character and the nature of God. He's not some cruel taskmaster that's just trying to get things out of us. He actually is a God who is relational and who is inviting us into His rest. We live in a culture that screams, do more, produce more, spend more, study more, right? You have to do more. You have to improve yourself. You have to better yourself. You have to accomplish yourself. You have to prove yourself in the workplace. You have to prove yourself in the home. You even have to compare yourself with how you rest with other people, right? That's what vacations basically are, is a one-upmanship between other people. Hey, look on Instagram. This is what I did this year. Oh yeah, well look what I did over here, right? None of the things that are in our culture are designed to bring us rest, the, the system of more that we are all living in, and we have to recognize that it's a system, nothing in our system is meant to produce rest other than the character and the nature of God. Right? So we want to make sure that we as his people, first and foremost, tap into this rhythm of creation that we rest because God rests. The truth is, You cannot enjoy any gift that you have received from God apart from rest, right? If we fail and neglect to rest, the gifts that God gives us will be like sand that just runs through our fingers and they fall to the floor. God invites us, because he loves us, to rest. God is saying through rest that I care about you. We rest because we are made in the image of God and we rest Because God desires to bring joy to you through your rest. Which brings me to my first point. We rest to enjoy God's work and our work. We rest to enjoy God's work and our work. God rested not because he was tired. Right, So there's this rhythm in Genesis 1. He created light and he separated the greater light from the lesser light. And he said that it was good. Right, And he does that over and over. He creates the living things and the creatures and the seas and the dry land. There's this rhythm that goes throughout creation. And he says it's all very good. And then at the end of chapter 1, look at chapter 1 verse 31. It says, And God saw that everything that he has made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So what does God do with the very goodness of his labor? He enjoys it. So look at verse 3, chapter 2, verse 3. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from his work that he had done in creation. So this is a massive truth for us. We rest because God rests. Rest is part of being made in the image of God. And God 
beckons us to come into and enjoy the goodness of his work and to enjoy the fruit of our work. God actually wants you to enjoy your life. God actually wants you to enjoy being created in his image. And so rest is a a way for us to be able to do that. Rest is about enjoying God. Rest means slowing down very intentionally, very specifically, saying, I am not a productivity machine. I am not self-sufficient. I am not independent. I actually need to slow down and enjoy who God is. Now, especially in the southern part of the United States, we tend to have a very dualistic worldview where we say there are some things that are more holy, like prayer and Bible study, and going to church meetings, right? All those things are wonderful gifts from God. But listen, it is equally glorifying to God to take a walk around the park and to breathe deeply and enjoy creation. It's equally glorifying to God to slow down and laugh with your children. It's equally glorifying to God to hold hands with your spouse and enjoy the gifts of marriage and intimacy. Those things equally glorify God as if you were on your hands and knees before him. That's the kind of life that God wants us to have. This holistic life where we are living out life before him. God wants us to enjoy the goodness of creation so much so that he invites us one day out of seven to cease from all activity and to enjoy his presence and his gifts. Listen to this quote. It says, Sabbath isn't just a day not to work. It's a day to delight in what one Hebrew poet called the work of our hands. To delight in the life you've carved out in partnership with God. To delight in the world around you. And to delight in God himself. Sabbath is a day just to pull up a chair. Sink into it. Look back over the last six days. And just enjoy. So my question is. How are you doing enjoying the life that you have carved out in partnership with God? Right? God has invited you into this life where he's given you a vocation and a calling. And there is fruit that comes from that. How are you doing slowing down and enjoying that underneath his gaze? So if you are enjoying it, I mean, I think God would encourage you to fan that into flame. But if you're like most of us. And that's a foreign concept. I believe God invites you into something even greater, something even more lasting and deeper that will change you for the rest of your life. He invites you to enjoy him. God invites us into this rhythm of Sabbath. Now, brings me to my next point. We rest to restore our bodies and our souls. We rest to restore our bodies and and our souls. We need rest because we are dependent creatures. Psalm 103 verse 14 says this, For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. We spend roughly one-third of our lives sleeping, right? I mean, just flat on our backs, not doing anything, not producing anything. We spend one day out of seven not working, not producing anything. All of these things are ways that God has reminded us 
that we are not the creator, but we are creatures. So the gift of rest and the gift of Sabbath is for us to embrace our creatureliness, right? There's one God, and there's no one in this room that's him, right? We actually need him. Rest is proof positive that we can't keep our own hearts beating. We can't make our health increase. We actually need God. It's a, it's a functional reminder to us each and every day that none of us are independent. We rest so that we can enjoy who God is and embrace our creatureliness. Now, now I'm, this is... This is the ironic thing about being a pastor. <laughs> like, I, all week I know I have this message coming up on rest. And you know what? It was a very difficult week to rest. There's probably 48 hours, and my life is not unique in any way, but there was about a 48-hour period where I just kind of slyly smiled at God <laughs> and His humor uh, that we're going to be studying the gift of rest um, there were many wonderful things that happened in my life this week. My daughter turned 16, so that was amazing, right? We had a party last night, beautiful, wonderful. Saw God work in individuals' lives, saw tragedy strike, all of these things. And all during that 48-hour period, I mean, I wasn't able to really accomplish the things that I thought I needed to be accomplishing And I said, God, why in the world are we talking about rest? And he said, that's exactly why you have to talk about rest. Because there's going to be a point each and every week for every person in this room where you will be extended beyond what you can do, right? And it is a reminder that there is a God and we are not him. So he invites us not to despise our creatureliness, not to despise being human, but to embrace it as a person that is made In the image of God. So who we run to and why we run to what we run to is very important when we're talking about rest. There should be a point in every week where you transition from doing to just being. To enjoy being a son or a daughter of God. Where you enjoy being loved by God. Where you enjoy having your sins forgiven. That's what God is inviting us into. Now, you're probably about this point in time, you're like, hey, isn't that just something that's recommended in the Old Testament? Isn't this just law that we're talking about, right? So I want to make this distinction, all right? Jesus came into the world categorically to fulfill the law and the commands of God on our behalf. But listen, the Sabbath is a gift to us from God where we encounter him. It's not something that we have to do. It's something that we get to do. So you do not have to change the oil in your car. But if you don't, there will be consequences. You do not have to preventatively go to the dentist. But it's a good idea. You do not have to plan for the future. All of these things are things that if we ignore, right, there can be some real consequences. So this isn't about us obtaining righteousness before God. This is about us encountering God in all of his mercy, and all of his grace. And this is something that the Pharisees, who were Jesus' opposition in the New Testament, they, were, they actually thought they were keeping the law very well, so much so that they began to add rules to how you need to rest. And they totally missed the big picture of why we actually do rest. There's a, an encounter 
in Mark chapter 2 and Mark chapter 3 where the disciples of Jesus are just walking through a grain field. And they're hungry and they bend down and they just pick up some heads of grain and they rub it through their hands and they begin to eat. And the Pharisees who are like watchdogs, I mean they are all over that. And they're like, Jesus... Do you know what your disciples are doing? They're not keeping the Sabbath. And instead of just answering them, Jesus one-ups them, and he sees a man that has a withered hand, and they are looking to see if he's going to heal this man with a withered hand. And Jesus reaches out, and he heals this man with a withered hand, and the Pharisees' minds are absolutely blown because they're thinking that Jesus is doing something on the Sabbath that is forbidden. And basically what he says in that moment is, listen, man is not made to serve the Sabbath. The Sabbath is made to serve man. And the big picture is, the Sabbath is about healing. The Sabbath is about encountering the healing presence of Jesus Christ right where you live. Because, listen, every person in this room needs healing in some significant ways. Like, that's the reason that we're here. Like, that's the reason that the church exists. Because this is the sanctuary with all the people say, hey... I don't have it all together. I need to come into this room because I need to encounter the forgiveness and the healing and the mercy and the grace of Jesus. And we get to do that as a community each and every week. We come to experience the healing presence of Jesus. John Mark Comer says this. He said, Sabbath isn't a cold, arbitrary rule that we have to obey. It's a life-giving art form that we get to practice. So, listen, when we're talking about, we're going to get to some practicals in a few minutes, but this is not something that you have to do. This is not something that you're obligated to do, but this is something that you were designed and you were made for, right? And most of us, if you're honest, just below the surface, your soul is crying out for this kind of rest. To come into a room like this and to hear that it's finished for you, right? Where else on the planet can you go and just be, right? Where else on the planet can you have confidence that the Father hears your prayers because of Jesus? Where else can you go and share a meal like we're going to share at the end of this message where you hear about Jesus' brokenness for your brokenness and his bloodshed for your sins, right? This is where we come to experience the healing presence of Jesus. I like this. This, this, this verse here is what... Um, encourage me to begin to read the message from Eugene Peterson. It's Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. It says, Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Like That's a definition of the Sabbath. Unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So there is a rest. And the people in the Old Testament had a hard time with it. The church has a hard time with it. It's called the rest of faith. It's where not only we communicate our neediness, 
but we also communicate God's sufficiency, right? Where we actually come to him, where we lay down our burdens, where we actually believe him to forgive our sins, where we lay down our shame and our guilt and we receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. All of those things are part of the way that God has designed us. Derek Worthington says this. He consistently says this. Come to me, all who are thirsty. I am the living water. Come to me, all who are in darkness. I am the light of the world. Come to me, all who are excluded. I am the gate by which you have access. Come to me, all who are lost. I am the good shepherd and will lead you and guide you. Come to me, all who are hungry. I am the bread of life. Come to me, all who are lost. I am the truth and the way, the truth, and the life. Over and over, Jesus invites his people away from what they can do on his behalf and into what he has done on theirs. His invitation produces rest. So, here's the invitation for the people of God. Are you weary this morning? Are you experiencing the rest that comes from coming to Jesus, right? The Sabbath is all about coming to Jesus to receive whatever you need and to see that he is the answer and the solution to everything that we strive for all other six days of the week, right? There is a reorienting that happens when we come to Jesus. There is um, mercy that's experienced and grace that is felt and rest comes as we come to Jesus. Rest uniquely comes from Jesus and all that he's done, right? That's something that religion can't do. That's something that activity on his behalf can't do. We have to come to him and rest. Which brings me to my final point. We rest to reorder our lives. We rest to reorder our lives. The Sabbath is like a check-in, right? It's a weekly opportunity for us to say, Not only how am I doing with the Lord, but how are my relationships? Am I being the person that God has called me to be, right? So you evaluate the last six days. Am I actually living out who God has designed me to be? It's a way for us to take stock and to take inventory. It's not only, it helps us to understand that God in his mercy and his grace is always calling us back to himself. Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann said this, people who keep the Sabbath live all seven days differently. So this is different than just taking a day off. This is, Sabbath isn't just a pause button, it's a full complete and total system restart. Sabbath is a chance to take a long, hard look at our lives and retune them to the right key to make sure that our life is shaped around what really matters and see. And, and when we see stuff in our life that is out of whack, we turn to Jesus and he comes and he does his Sabbath work, right? So this is a, a chance for us to reconnect with God and to reconnect with His purposes for our lives. Not in a performance-driven way, not in a self-evaluation kind of way, but in a life-giving way that, that there is life in the way that God has designed the world to work. And He invites us into this rhythm to experience His healing and experience His grace. So let's talk a little bit about what would it look like practically to live life 
and to take a Sabbath and to rest. Now, I don't want to impose any man-made regulations. You're going to have to evaluate this according to your season of life. You're going to have to um, evaluate this in what are the needs of your family or what's going on in your life. But the, the main thing that God would encourage us to do is to take a 24-hour period each and every week where we are just his people, right? For my family, we've begun to do this from Friday evening to Saturday evening. We begin with dinner as a family. Most of the time that takes place at a restaurant where we're just enjoying being together, where we ask questions. Most of the time they don't have anything to do with faith. They talk about fun things that are coming up on our schedule, like vacation or what do the kids want to be for Halloween next year. We're just encountering what does it mean to be alive and experience life together as a family, right? We begin that way, right? Um, And honestly, like Friday... (laughs) Just for us, just like anybody else, I mean, that's the end of the week, and it seems like we're tired, and most of the time, like, we go to bed early, right? And we just rest, and we don't feel guilty about that. And now, the thing that I would encourage you most of all is that you have to have some kind of plan, right? How am I going to rest? What is it going to look like? When is this going to happen? And this is the most important thing, right? Because this is where it goes from just this big idea to a conviction to something that becomes a gift to you. What are you going to say no to to rest, right? When are you, what, what part of the machine do you need to shut down so that you can rest? The things that you want to evaluate are, does it produce life, right? I mean, are the activities that I'm doing simply on my day off, do they produce life? Do they produce worship? So you have to have a plan. Um, and this I would put right under having a plan. I would say put away your phone, right? Because the phone makes it almost impossible to rest, right? It's inviting you into all kinds of cares and concerns and comparison, all those things. Now, if there are rare occasions where it does produce life, then I would encourage you to use it, but that's not a law. That's just wisdom saying that that will be a life stealer, right? The main thing about Sabbath and rest is pace, right? So, I want to be realistic. You know, there's things that need to be accomplished in your life, but Like, if you decide that you're going to go to the grocery store, like, you should be going not at a hectic, frenetic pace, but you're walking around, and you're enjoying, and you're looking, and you're watching, and you're thanking God. There's a difference about the way that you carry yourself. You're not just task-driven. Like, you're fully present to God, and you're fully present to other people. So you want to walk at a different pace. So Friday night, we go to bed early. Saturday morning, this is what it looked like yesterday. Now, it doesn't always go well, and I want to say from the outset, (laughs) we still sin, right? It's not ideal, like we don't have it all together, but it's something that we're trying to, um, that we're trying to do well together as a family. So, we got up, and we got up a little bit later, and we read for a little bit, and then we transitioned to a time where we had breakfast together, and I made breakfast, and the kids helped, and the kids cleaned up, and 
mean, it was great for a while. And then um, Hannah's 16th birthday was yesterday. And so we, my wife and I made a pact. We said, hey, we're going to try to rest, but we want to make sure that we do this at a pace that calms our souls. And so we tried to do some things for her, and we were out shopping. And we were all the time just trying to bring God into what we're doing. And that's the main thing about taking some time off, just so that you're not... I mean, it's very easy, right? I mean, if you've ever had this experience, I mean, you, you take a vacation, and then you need a vacation from your vacation, right? That, that's probably indication that we didn't really rest because we're designed to rest not only in our bodies but in our souls. And so you want to find ways to enjoy the gifts that God's given you under his gaze, right? You're not going to do this perfectly, but there is something beautiful that happens when we encounter him and we rest and we enjoy the gifts that he's given us. So I'm not here to prescribe how you do this, but I am going to say this is something that God is inviting you into. And I am here to say, listen, if you feel like you're too busy to do this, all the more reason that you need to do this, right? Um, We are not machines, and there are real consequences. The warning light comes on, and like I said, that's where I've been as a person, you know, over the last six months. I have to be, I have to treat my body different. Like, I'm not a machine. I need to rest. I need to offload my burdens. And Sabbath has begin, become becoming a gift to me. And so, that's radically different than going to church. Would you say? Yeah. So, that's the kind of life and that's the kind of rhythm that God invites us into. And so when we do that, it changes the way that we live the other six days of the week, right? Technically, we work from rest and we don't work for rest. Those things go together. We work because we've rested in the presence of God and we've been refueled and re-envisioned and then we begin to live out our calling. That's how God's designed life to work, not work for the weekend so that you can finally do what you want to do. Work and play go together. So we're going to continue to talk about what does it mean to be made in the image of God. But today, I just want to invite you to think about the things that are burdening you, right? Think about the things that rob rest from you. Think about the way that God may be inviting you into this rest. I'm going to pray, and we're going to bring those cares and those concerns to the table. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his invitation for us to experience rest. Thank you that we can rest because you rest. Thank you that you love us and you care for us. I pray that right now that you would bring to mind burdens and cares and concerns that we're carrying that we can offload to you, that we can learn the unforced rhythms of grace together. I pray that the relationships in this room would be strengthened because of rest. I pray that we would come to you and receive forgiveness and that we would receive mercy and that we would receive help. In Jesus' name, amen going to transition to a time of just coming to the table. This isn't for perfect people. This is for people that know that they need rest, that they need help from outside of themselves. And I just had this real impression as I was praying this morning that um, it's almost this picture of, it's not any individual in particular, but 
just a group of people that are trying so hard. And they're not just trying hard in their careers, but they're trying hard with God. And God wants to say, you don't have to prove yourself to me, right? Rest is a gift from God where you can come to him just as you are and receive the gift of himself. And so if you've wearied yourself with religious activity without intimacy with God, coming to the table can be a way of feasting on the bread of life once again and receiving forgiveness and receiving real life that comes from him. So um, I hope that's helpful. Um, So we all have cares and concerns. We're going to bring those to the table. We're going to make an active transfer. That's why we do this meal. It's not a religious ceremony that we go through. It's actually real hope where we transfer our guilt and our burdens and our weariness and we receive life. So the bread represents Jesus' body that's broken for us. The cup represents his blood that's shed for us. A couple of words of practical instruction. The front half of the room come to these two tables. The back half of the room can go to the back tables. You just tear off a little piece of the bread or take a little piece of the gluten-free cracker and you dip it in the cup. Um, and um, when those things are combined with faith, you get to taste what grace is like. So that's my prayer for us as a church. I'm going to pray for us, and then you can come and take the elements. Father, do something that only you can do. Bring rest. Only you are self-existent and self-sufficient. We are creaturely. We are needy. Yet you invite us to enjoy the life that you have designed for us. I pray that you would help us to do real evaluation, not in a way that condemns us, but in a way that we can transfer our burdens to you at the table and receive life and health and peace. I pray for these elements and for this church that I love. In Jesus' name, amen.